Hi everyone, this is Luke Moroney for the Daily Property Search Podcast. And what I'd like to discuss with you today is would you invest in the tiny house movement? Before I get into this topic, just a disclaimer that this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be regarded as legal or financial advice. Make sure you get your own independent advice when it comes to investing. So in regards to the tiny house movement, we see a bit of a trend towards people living in small accommodation. We see block sizes being cut up into smaller parcels. Now I've spoken about this particular topic over the last couple of weeks where I've been in the northwest of Sydney and seeing other areas of Sydney really being cut cut back to very small parcels of land. And I recall when I grew up, I was on a thousand square meters of land um, where I was one of four children, so mum and dad, and there were six of us in total. And living on that size parcel of land on a thousand square meters gives us the ability to play at the backyard, play at the front yard. But times are changing, and the culture and the influence on how kids are brought up is definitely changing out there. And it's a reason why I bring up this particular topic because as investors, we've really got to think about what the trends are happening in future. How do we position ourselves? How do we maximize the money that we're investing? How do we look at cash flow or growth strategies in what we're doing? And we really need to be on top of the information, the culture, the trends that are happening so we can maximize the profits that we're gaining. So I wanted to get into this topic because it's, being brought out more in the media. It's a bit of a flavor of the month at different times and a kind of a quirky thing to talk about. And there's a whole sense of people moving into a minimalist life and getting rid of all the stuff. And maybe that occupies a lot of the space that we, we do have in our, in, our, um, in our properties that we live in. And is there a sense of more of these bigger houses that rooms are not being used or bathrooms are not being used. So are we utilizing the space that we really have to its to the certain degree that it should be or do we have a waste of rooms or bedrooms or bathrooms in where we live? So it's a really good topic to speak about and I really wanted to just dive a little deeply on what's going on and what to think about in this area of investing. So the first point I'd like to make is in regards to those lot land sizes are definitely decreasing. So I mentioned about the Kellyville property that I saw that was broken up into 240 square meter lots. And you can still fit a four bedroom house, but it's very tight. You almost get to the point that the eaves or the, the roof lines are almost touching or overhanging into other lots beside it. Um, there's not much of a space to play out the backyard for kids or families that are actually living in those locations. There's probably a more of a sense of people being close to park or other activities or shopping centers where they can actually go and spend their leisure time. So it might be a sense that time being spent at home is definitely on the decrease. Uh, and I, I guess I see this as a sense of what we, how we grew up in the past to what I see day in, day out now. More people are getting out there and amongst it in terms of breakfast and cafes um, and that culture that's around that, um, meeting up with other um, parents and kids in play areas, 
dog parks being often used, uh, whereas as opposed to in the past, you know, the dogs would spend the time in the backyards and enough exercise was gained out of that from them walking, running around um, the backyards that they were, they had. And, but now it's a little bit different. Um, so it's, it's a whole idea about us, what will suit the lifestyles of now and what will suit the lifestyles of the future for us as investors. So the lot sizes are definitely decreasing. Less time is probably being spent at home and we people are getting less and less reliant on the actual space that they have at home and maybe would rather spend their time outside meeting friends, meeting family members than being at home. So there's definitely a few changes in that arena. The second thing I'd like to point out is as we've got our growing cities of population growth, what tends to happen and what we're seeing happen right now is affordability issues. So that I guess the tiny house movement will bring up a lot of opportunity for people to get into locations that they really like but and want, be, want to be close to, but not a sense of paying you know, a million, two million, three million dollars for a, a, a tiny house that they want to live in. So the location is more important than the space in the house. Now, for not, not for everyone, this is going to be an ideal situation, but for people who focus on the location rather than what, what they have in, inside the house or the space, then they're, they're probably that target market for this particular opportunity. They'd rather spend their time outside the house and maybe use that facility or that, that accommodation that they do have as a place to sleep, shower, and prepare themselves or have their clothing and other things just on a, a very limited time that they want to spend in, inside the house and rather spend the majority of time outside. Now, what kind of things does the tiny house movement bring up in terms of, yes, it helps with affordability, but where it may struggle with is an overcrowding situation. You know, what kind of infrastructure, what kind of um, public transportation uh, is going to be there close by to facilitate all these people? Uh, Are we going to have community issues? Is there going to be too much noise? Is there going to be too many people in a close environment? And if one person's angry or upset about something, is that going to affect the whole community? But on the reverse, it might bring people more together and more connecting with each other. So maybe to connect with each other, kind of like the neighborhood watch movement that what was happening through maybe the 80s and 90s, more so where you kind of helped each other out so much and getting community groups together. So maybe the close proximity could bring people even more together So and, and get a sense of helping each other. You might find this being effective um, you know, teenage kids or adult kids looking to help the, the elderly that are living within the same community, helping them with the shopping or um, helping them with computer work or um, technology. So, um, and on the reverse, telling them, st- um, the older people telling them stories of the past or helping them with real world issues that are going on or, you know, how to, they work through the workforce. So that can bring out a whole lot of different things in regards to um, what can the tiny house movement bring as a positive and, and potential negatives of those uh, situations if it does then break out to be 
this all-encompassing culture shift in future. So that's what we need to focus on, whether it's going to be good, bad, positive or negative and, and see how we can you know, align ourselves as investors to um, put money towards some of these things that potentially could provide affordability for tenants that are living there and could also, as investors, provide us with profits on the investment that we're putting in place. My third point is around the bank lending issues. We've got a situation where um, banks really struggle with the idea of lending money out to dwellings that are less than 50 square meters. So some of these dwellings in the tiny house movement might be 25, 30, 35 square meters. And banks at the moment haven't adjusted to some of the decreases in land size or in dwelling size. So inside the space, inside the, the property of which is being purchased. Now this could be an issue for those first home buyers, for those people that don't have the availability of cash to get into that type of home buying or that type of investing. So that there needs to be a shift in terms of lending standards in this type of thing. And I think as we decrease the amount of space inside these dwellings, we might see a situation where the banks say, well, the resale on these properties, even if they're, they are less than 50 square meters, is still quite high because there's an affordability for those properties. There is definitely a demand for those properties. So we, we might be in a situation where the banks will then start to decrease that size restriction that they have in place as we speak. So, and then you may not have to go to second, third tier lenders to try and get the funding for that. You might be able to still go to the major banks or to the, might have the availability to, to call on, get a few quotes from various lenders and not just be restricted to one lender where you're going to be charging very high rates and it creates a lot of risk for that home buyer or investor. So it's just a couple of things to really think about in this tiny house move, movement. Is this a case where we're going to get a cultural change, a, a lifestyle change for people in future in terms of how they're going to live? And is it a way for investors to look at profits in terms of, especially in terms of cash flow? And this is where this can be maximized on your investing and provide some really good returns for you in future. Now, I think it still has a, a little ways to go. I think that's increasing more and more each day with articles that are being spread out there, with different strategies that have been adopted, with new council regulations and state government regulations that have been put in place that, that gets a sense of the rooming share situation where you may have four or five people in the same dwelling that share um, space in terms of kitchens, in terms of bathrooms, in terms of living areas as well. And that might be move people forward to see that that affordability is really important for people who want to be close to work and get themselves in a situation where they can actually still save money, still go to work, but live in affordable places where they're in a situation that they can um, you know, live and, and work and um, be, be really happy with the location that they are over the space that they have. So hopefully that helps you in thinking about the tiny house movement and think about what's going to happen with your investing in future, your plans, your strategies, um, so that you can move forward 
gain on those profits and create that wealth for the future. If you'd like to talk about this particular topic or about your own investing circumstances, feel free to give me a call on 0400-332-377. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.